Welcome back to Is It Horror? This is Season 2, Episode 21, Jaws. I'm Brianna. I'm Joe. I'm Matt. I'm Mitz. And I am Steve. If you haven't been with us before, each episode we analyze a piece of media, usually a movie, whose horror status is debatable. We look at the creator's intent, audience reception, and the content of the media, all in an effort to better define the horror genre. If you agree with our take, that's awesome. If you don't, that's awesome too. Horror is a diverse genre. All are welcome. And before we uh, get into talking about Jaws, we'll go to Joe's Get to Know You Corner. All right. Um, welcome to the corner. So today, talking about Jaws. So uh, my question, uh, or questions, if you want to answer both. Uh, number one is, what aquatic creature scares you the most? And number two, have you had any scary or intense water-going adventures, be it ocean or otherwise? Well, I'm a smart little cookie, and I stay out of the damn water, so I don't have any intense water-going adventures. I'm a bit of a weenie. I like it like that. I like my bed. I like my books. That's about it. I like my TV. Um, but what aquatic creature scares me the most... I'm assuming our Lord and Savior Cthulhu is not an option, so I'm going to go with pretty much anything that swims faster than me, which is everything in the ocean that has teeth. The ocean is just a terrifying place, just absolutely terrifying. Yeah, it does have a lot of scary things. Um, for me, I mean, I agree, there's, there's so many things that could hurt or kill you in the ocean, so there's lots of stuff. Uh, Lately, I've been thinking a lot more about orcas, um, killer whale, killer whales, and just how like big and fast and predatory they are, and smart. And like you know, there's a few um, YouTube videos floating around the internet of just like killer whales hunting seals and things like that. Like there's one where like there's a seal like sitting like in the middle of this giant ice sheet and like four killer whales just like line up and swim towards it and like create this tidal wave that breaks up the ice so they can get to the seal and it's just like oh my gosh they are so smart and so scary and so big um so right now that's the one that's been on my mind yeah orcas are kind of the asshole of the ocean let's be real i mean i know free willy and all that shit but they're kind of jerks yeah, and that's the other thing is so after we I ended up or me and Steve ended up watching Jaws two as uh after watching the first one and in that one like they there's like a washed up killer whale and I was like ah that that's ridiculous because I I don't know because there's that whole thing going on right now too of like orcas specifically hunting great white sharks and just eating their livers and letting them die uh, after eating their livers <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Gross. Well, I don't know if any of you have ever watched that one documentary about how the whale orcas were treated so poorly at SeaWorld. Uh, it was like pretty recently, I guess, that that came out. It was Blackfish. Blackfish, yeah. That was wild. Like how, like obviously we humans did that to them and put them in that situation, but the way that they like hunted the their trainers sort of and like held them underwater to drown them instead of killing them and things like that is like 
Yeah, they are very highly intelligent and frightening animals that should not be kept in captivity. <laughs> yeah. Should not be yeah. trifled with. That's right. Don't trifle with the orcas, man. They will literally <laughs> lay the smack down on you. No, nothing that big belongs in a tank. That's cruel. Agreed. Um, but I was going to say that I am most frightened of either box jellyfish or that stonefish thing that, like, sits on the bottom of the ocean and will, like, get you with its spines. Like, you can just step on it and die. Oh, yeah. That stuff is scary, man. There's a lot of, like, the ocean has, everybody talks about Australia as having all these, like, things that can kill you, but the ocean has so many things that could kill you. I guess, well, the scariest looking fish is the anglerfish, in my opinion. That thing is freaky. But I don't know if I'm, like, specifically afraid of any kind of fish. I'm more afraid of, like, when I go swimming in ponds and the ocean and stuff, that, like, a dead body's gonna wash up next to me. That's a bigger fear of mine. And this movie did not help with that. <laughs> I guess that's the thing that comes to mind a little bit the most to me, or at least something adjacent to that, is there's the whole concept, right, of uh, you enter the ocean, you enter the food chain. For most of us, we've been at the top of the food chain and never experienced being anything but the top of the food chain. And uh, I guess the other thing that kind of freaks me out about the ocean in general, but not enough to like, I don't know, I wouldn't call it a phobia. I'm more than happy to swim in it and go on boats and things like that, but... Just the idea that, at least to me anyway, maybe we have a lot more documented than I realize, but just how much we don't know about what goes on in the ocean. It's most of our planet, but we really just have so many questions about what exactly is out there, what's possible, what we can find, and so much of it seems, to, at least to me, so, to be uncharted. So I don't know if there's a specific aquatic creature, it's just more of the mystery of it self that I guess I would find the scariest if I were to pick a thing. Yeah, it feels like I'm almost constantly seeing random stories about, you know, this random creature discovered in the ocean and also it could kill you as well. <laughs> Not just that, but like even something like the the giant squids, like that was always kind of like, you know, myth myth and mythology, like, oh, the kraken. But like then science actually was like, oh, by the way, these things exist and we think we're only finding the baby ones and they're 27 feet long. Like, can you imagine like what's actually out there? Like what's actually at the bottom of the, what is it, the Mariana Trench? Is that what it's called? It's insane. Like our, our world is just like a death trap underwater. It's crazy. <laughs> Well, cool. Thanks for all your guys' thoughts on the dangers of the ocean. All right, and uh, on to the film we're discussing, which is a hotly debated film as far as its horror status for pretty much since it was created. But we're talking about Jaws from 1975. I have a few more notes on the creation of this film than I would on some of the others because I thought there was at least a handful of things I thought were kind of interesting about all of this. But uh, at least originally, it's based on the 1974 novel by Peter Benchley, and it was actually optioned for a movie before I think it was even published, which we'll get into a little bit later. But uh, the film itself was directed by Steven Spielberg, who you may know from other such 
vague movies as Jurassic Park, which we covered during season one. So you can check that out. And then, of course, other movies they did is the original Indiana Jones series, of which there were only ever three, and that's it. And then also there's a new one that's coming out later this summer. (laughs) Thank you for putting that out there. I agree. And then also he did other movies such as Saving Private Ryan, Hook, and Schindler's List. And then I also thought it was worth noting because it's another sort of Stephen King, or sorry, Steven Spielberg associated film that has a nebulous place in the horror genre, which is that he wrote and produced Poltergeist, which uh, while it was directed by Toby Hooper of Texas Chainsaw Massacre fame, uh, there is at least some controversy about whether or not Spielberg himself directed it, which has gone every which way about it. And I've watched some of the classic interviews with him right after the movie came out, and he sure doesn't do anything to clarify the fact that he didn't direct it. But Anyhow, that's neither here nor there. But if it's something that you feel interested in reading up on, you should check it out sometime. Maybe we'll do a Poltergeist episode and bring up more of the details. But uh, then as far as the writers of this movie, that gets a little murky too. Um, Initially, Peter Benchley, he, in optioning this to become a film, he decided that he was going to do the first pass of the screenplay. And he did a few passes on it until, and I quote, saying, I'm written out on this, and that's the best I can do. So he kind of bowed out on it. Uh, Just also as trivia, he appeared as a reporter in the film. But uh, then you had uh, the main writing credit going to Carl Gottlieb. And uh, he was brought on initially to do just kind of a quick pass on the script to add some more comedy into it. Uh, But then he ended up becoming the main writer. He also kind of took some extensive notes on the writing of the film because even during the writing process, he was aware of the fact that there might be some disputes later as to who ought to get the writing credit. So at least some of the notes that I've got later come from his own accounts on the situation. Also, as a bit of trivia, he played the newspaper editor Meadows in the film. So those are the credited writers. So on to the uncredited writers. You have Howard Sackler, who... uh, Per Gottlieb's notes and recollections, did a rewrite of the script and initially came up with the USS Indianapolis speech and contributed Brody's Fear of Water. You have John Milius. He and Spielberg also both claim that Milius wrote the final pass on the US Indianapolis speech. However, Gottlieb contends that it was actually Robert Shaw himself that wrote what appeared on screen after compiling several writers' attempts to crack the speech. You also have Matthew Robbins and Hal Barwood, who worked with Spielberg on his previous film, The Sugarland Express, both reportedly worked on the script as well, uh, but it's never really been, at least I couldn't find anything that made it clear to what degree they were involved. Um, also, Steven Spielberg was friends with Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale of Back to the Future fame, and they reportedly also took a kind of look through the script and did a couple rewrites on things, or at least gave some advice on some dialogue. And then... Finally, Steven Spielberg and Carl Gottlieb and various cast members, they would get together pretty much every night during the shoot to kind of do polishes and rewrites for scenes before the next day's shooting. So pretty much to a degree, Spielberg himself and most of the principal cast members could also be said to have been writers on the film, although again, uncredited. So there was a lot of different people that worked on this film aside from just who appears in the end credits as writers on this. So it's kind of interesting seeing the back and forth and description. Uh, one of the other things that Gottlieb had mentioned just about our, uh, about 
Robert Shaw, who plays Quint in the film, that he was an accomplished playwright and novelist before all of this, too. So definitely a acclaimed writer in his own right before this. No pun intended, but there it is anyway. So uh, as far as the back of the box description, when an insatiable great white shark terrorizes the townspeople of Amity Island, a police chief, a grizzled shark hunter, and an oceanographer seek to destroy it which is very basic, but there's still a lot going on under the hood here. So in terms of intent, I have a few different quotes here from Steven Spielberg over the years, as well as um, a quote here from Peter Benchley just talking about it. And it's kind of interesting hearing the way that Steven Spielberg talks about it. We'll go through and read those quotes real quick. So Peter Benchley said about this, I wanted to convey the visceral fear people have of being eaten. Does anyone else have that fear? I don't know that I have that fear. Does anyone else have a fear of being, like, cannibalized or eaten? Not generally. Like, I don't think about it a lot. I don't, I don't know. No, well, now it's a phobia. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, I've watched a lot of zombie movies, so I kind of, I've definitely thought about being how awful it would be to get eaten maybe more than the average person. I was just thinking of, like, Trash's quote from Return of the Living Dead. Like, do you ever think about all the horrible ways to die? I think the worst way would be to have a whole bunch of old men eating me alive. I'm quoting it terribly. But anyway, watch Return of the Living Dead. It's awesome. <laughs> all right, let's head into the next quote, which is an interview between Peter Benchley and Steven Spielberg during the filming of Jaws. Okay, um, so Benchley says, I asked Steven what kind of film he was making. Uh, Spielberg says, it's a shark film. It's a shark movie. Eventually he says, it's a, it's a horror shark mo movie. Is it going to scare people? What will it do? Spielberg, Spielberg responds, well, I think initially scare people. It will, it will cause a great increase of aquaphobia next summer in all the beach resort areas. But, uh, it's really a picture about sharks in general and one great white shark in particular. Okay, so we'll see this continue as we go, but it's funny to me how when confronted specifically with the idea that this is a horror film, that Steven Spielberg, of all people, is reluctant to agree to that concept and also kind of waffles a bit when kind of just asked point blank about it. Um, which that'll continue. So we'll go to the next quote, which actually I'm going to go ahead and I'll read that one because there's a little spot in the middle that I want to make a note about as far as watching the video. So Steven Spielberg, he was on Entertainment Tonight. So this was during the 80s. The first quote was during the 70s, during the filming of Jaws. So this one happens during the 80s on Entertainment Tonight. And he was doing an interview where they were also talking about Poltergeist. So that's why that gets brought up. And so he said... The great similarity is the terror is relentless, and the terror is unseen in both movies. In Jaws, you see the terror at the end, and of course, in Poltergeist, you also see the terror at the end. Both films are, and he kind of pauses there and kind of waits a little bit and says, you know, and then he kind of like finds what he wants to say and says, you can watch Jaws and Poltergeist like, Poltergeist like this, and kind of holds his hands up covering his eyes a little bit. So then he goes on to say, that's a great way of watching movies. I used to watch films all the time that way when I was first, when I first saw the thing from another world when I was a kid. So end quote. So it's just interesting because watching the video clip, it's clear that he's kind of floundering of how to describe it. I can almost see the wheels turning in his head like, 
how do I describe these films? They're not horror. Don't say they're horror. How do I describe them? And then he goes with the, oh, you can cover your eyes while watching them. And here's another film that a lot of people consider a horror that I grew up with. So anyway, I think that was kind of interesting. And then we'll go to the next quote. When he was uh, working, or, so he did a, um, there was this documentary called Jaws, The Inside Story. And this one, I think it was released in the 90s. So there's another quote from him about the movie there. He says, Steven Spielberg says, it wasn't a horror movie. It wasn't a slasher picture. It was a seagoing adventure movie. Okay, so you get Steven Spielberg through the decades sort of steering real close to the idea that it's a horror movie, but never willing to say that it is, which I I think is interesting. But then you certainly get him talking about the idea of it being scary, about the terror that it's induced, the intent to do that, especially when you look at some of the making things where he's talking about uh, you know, wanting to add things in to make sure that it was scary for audiences, which is very similar to the way he talked about Jurassic Park, too, the idea of never calling it a horror movie, but definitely wanting to scare people. And then also from that Jaws the Inside story, there's just a couple quotes from Richard Drivis and Roy Snyder about how they felt about the film, how they saw the film. Um, and maybe I could get, because they're both short, get somebody, whoever's next to read both of those. So Richard Dreyfuss says, the film scared me to death. And Roy Schneider says, people still watch that movie because it scares the hell out of them. So as we pointed out plenty of times on the show, the fact that the movie is scary doesn't necessarily make it horror or not horror. However, the intent behind the creation of it as to scare people, I think that that is kind of valuable information. But it's interesting to see kind of how they're viewing it, how they're talking about it. And then to kind of get how the movie's been received, uh, across 11 streaming services, you have about 15% of them willing to label the movie as horror. Other labels that you see are things like Thriller, which was 23%, so that was the highest that was used. Adventure, which is 19%, Suspense, 15%, Mystery, 12%, Action, 8%, and Ominous and Tense, both of those at 4%. So it's horror is definitely one of the more used monikers for it, but not the most. And then going to the original book itself. Um, so as kind of mentioned on any of the episodes before, where there was a book adaptation, we're talking about a book specifically, Goodreads allows users to enter what they think the genre is of a book, and they can pretty much enter anything. And so what you get there is that 51% of 3,715 respondents considered the book horror, from there, it goes 24% thought of it as a thriller, 8% said it was sharks slash monsters, uh, 5% for both suspense and adventure, mystery at 2%, science fiction, which I don't know why, but anyway, at 1%, drama at 1%, action 1%, and terror at 1%, which I feel like that's pretty much another vote for horror. So predominantly, the genre people select for the book is horror. Uh, I also happen to find a Facebook poll which I will mention that this is from a horror Facebook group. So take that for what it's worth, because they're probably skewed towards horror. But of 92 respondents to that, 70% thought it was horror and 30% thought it wasn't. And then as far as Google and Wikipedia search trends go, 
Um, this movie is kind of funny because it's the first one I've come across where there is a very, very clear trend, but it is not people searching this in October. Go figure. People want to watch Jaws during the summer. So it gets a bump pretty much every summer, usually in the middle of it in July. So that's not really conclusive to help us see whether or not people search it more. When is Discovery Channel Shark Week? Is it mid-July? Probably. Yeah, I think so. So people see Shark Week and then they're like, you know what? I'm going to watch Jaws. <laughs> oh, it, it, yeah, it literally is between July and August is Shark Week. Tuesday, July 11th and ends on July 18th. So that's why that is. <laughs> Probably so. This movie did make me want to go to a beach. Like, I'm just saying that. Like, despite all the subject matter and the leg tearing and the eye gouging and the thrashing in the water, it really makes me want a hot dog real bad. <laughs> Same, really. I thought about going to the beach, too. I was like, how do I do that right? easily in Utah? But anyway, the moment you've all been waiting for is, uh, what did everybody think? Is this movie horror? Nope. As much as I wanted to go into this with an open mind after watching it again, this is definitely not horror for me. Um, and we'll get into that later. But I would probably classify this more as like a, like a suspense thriller slash action film. Uh, that's, uh, that's pretty much where I came at it too. Like, yeah, I, I just had to call it not horror for various reasons we'll talk about, but yeah, I'm right there on like the thriller and yeah, suspense too. Yeah. I also say not horror. Well, I, this one's hard for me. I'm on the fence about it. I'm leaning horror right now though. I'm coming into this conversation with an open mind, so. But I'm leaning horror. I went really back and forth on this a lot, too. And I initially went in thinking, yeah, it's definitely not horror, and I might be persuaded otherwise. But I think what I landed on in the end is that I'm willing to say that it is horror. Okay. So there's at least one of the big reasons, one of the big common reasons that people bring up for why this movie isn't horror tends to be something that we discussed as well on the Silence of the Lambs episode, which is the idea that uh, whenever you get a film that is of higher quality, that's nominated for awards, things like that, there's a tendency for people to not want to classify it as horror. Uh, this movie did... It was nominated for four Academy Awards, and it won three of those. Uh, one of them was nominated for Best Picture, which it did not win. And then it did win for Best Original Score, for obvious reasons, Best Sound, and Best Film Editing. So, I wanted to see, do you think that the quality of a film, film being high quality, it being award-winning, I know we talked about this before on Silence of the Lambs episode, but do you feel like that has any bearing on whether or not you can call this film horror or if that really doesn't matter to any of it. To me, it doesn't matter at all. I mean, I've never listened to what the Academy says. They have had some real big misses several times for me. So I think that horror can be quote unquote elevated. It can be quality. And I don't think that, you know, the award winning thing has anything to do with the genre of the film, really. Yeah, I think it's sad that it gets that reputation or that look or people looking at it through that lens, I guess, as far as like, oh, well, we can't call it horror because then it won't win awards or whatever. Like, uh, it's sad that that's how it is. 
I don't think that it had any bearing for me. In in fact, almost being like a really popular kind of sort of family film blockbuster kind of a thing kind of made it feel less like horror for me because of maybe some of the some of like the music choices and making it feel like it's kind of a for everyone movie in some ways uh i feel like it possibly made it less horror for me but i don't think it's necessarily the status of the film that did that but more who was making the film uh if that makes sense yeah, I agree. It didn't change anything for me. And it wouldn't, I don't think. Yeah, I think what it really just comes down to for people that have that kind of opinion on it, it's more like if you don't like horror and you'd only seen a couple horror movies, and I'm pretty much said this on the Silence of the Lambs episode, but I'll reiterate it here, is just the idea of if you haven't seen many horror movies and you've only seen a couple and you decided that those were kind of like trashy sort of things that didn't have much value to it then you looked at this movie and you just said that these two things are not the same that's really all that it comes down to you're not really commenting on the genre you're just noting that the two other horror films you saw are very different from this one and sure i'll grant you that it probably is different from the other couple horror movies you've seen if you don't watch horror movies but yeah that doesn't have any bearing on whether or not this film is there are plenty of horror films that are you know trashy with terrible acting and there's plenty of horror films that are very well shot very well acted and have poignant scripts it's as we said at the beginning of the episode it's diverse genre there's a lot of things that can happen under that that moniker for horror so yeah i feel like it doesn't matter Okay, so we talked a little bit last time about the idea, and that's something I think that we should probably hit on a bit more often in talking about horror films, is, again, while it doesn't necessarily matter if the movie's scary in terms of whether or not it's horror, whether or not the movie is trying to scare you, whether it's intended as it was made to try and scare you, I do think has at least some bearing on it as maybe something we should discuss a little bit more and so one of the things I wanted to get into was basically how the producers and slash the marketing of the film portrayed the film or how they thought about the film. Um, so David Brown and Richard D. Zanuck were the Universal Studios producers that got the ball rolling on Jaws. They were the ones that had heard about the book and eventually purchased the film rights from Peter Benchley in order to get the movie made. They were the ones that eventually hired Steven Spielberg to direct it. So... I have a quote here from David Brown on how he viewed the movie. So basically he's describing why he wanted to get this film made based on the material. So David Brown describing why he wanted to get this film made said, It's the shark's eye view of the human body. The fear of disfigurement, of being maimed, of being brought down to an utterly ignominious. Wow, I can't pronounce that. A horrifying death. A word like that. A really terrible death. For no purpose except to serve a mindless appetite that appealed to us. Guys, you need to get me a thesaurus and a dictionary for Christmas. <laughs> you did that on purpose. Oh, pick on the dumb kid. No, I didn't. I'm sorry. The only or So fun fact, the only reason I know that is because of scripture study with my parents growing up. Because that pops up in the Bible sometimes. Oh my god, it served a purpose. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. 
And then we're going to go and quote a couple things from the marketing of this film, which involves both marketing material and the actual narration that happens in the trailer. All right. So uh, from some of the original marketing material, uh, it says like, I think these, this was on like mostly kind of the posters and things, right? Yeah, that's the one. Okay, yeah, so it says the terrifying motion picture from terrifying number one bestseller. So, and then there was like the the trailer narration, and I'm going to do a terrible job of this, so sorry about that ahead of time. But uh, <clears throat> there is a creature alive today who has survived millions of years of evolution without change, without passion, and without logic. It lives to kill a mindless eating machine. It will attack and devour anything. And here we have the voice over pause on the word anything to show a woman swimming in the ocean, seen from below in the shark's point of view. It is as if God created the devil and gave him Jaws. <laughs> hey, there it is. That was excellent. I'm terrified. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, okay. You want me to do the ending one, too? Yes, after that reading, definitely. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. And then, so, at the end of it, it's... None of man's fantasies of evil can compare with the reality of Jaws. Jaws, see it before you go swimming. Perfect. My favorite part of the reading was how you sound. You started sounding a little bit like Christian Bale's Batman towards the end. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, swear to me. <laughs> I did start gargling marbles, if maybe that's why. But anyway, yeah. Um, so it's clear that the producers were thinking of this as a horror film, even if they didn't outright say it. And the marketing team, which one of the things that I guess... I sort of realized, but came more to light to me at working on Seven, is that you would think that the creative team behind a movie would have a lot of input on how the movie's marketed. But that's not the case. They're hired to do a job, they make a film, but then it's the studio and whoever they decide to get to do the marketing, it's up to them to how they're going to do the film. And it was one of the things that was kind of funny hearing David Fincher on Seven talk about the trailers and the marketing team and how they were working on this movie and that his description of the marketing teams for these things is they never reacted to a movie like, oh, this is an amazing movie. Like, we got to get this to people. We're going to find this audience and it's going to be great. It's always more like, oh, God. All right. How are we going to sell people on this thing? <laughs> so I think I could almost see that happening here. So the fact that the studio... Universal Studios was willing to market this in a very clear horror way doesn't necessarily mean that that's what Steven Spielberg was thinking about it. But at least again, going back to his quotes, he's definitely thinking about it in terms of wanting to scare the audience, wanting to make the audience afraid, and at least being eye to eye with the producers on that concept. I mean, like I said, if God created the devil and gave him Jaws, like how... Yeah, very, very on point for trying to say this is a horror movie. So, anyway, that being said, how do you feel like at least seeing how the producers thought of it and the marketing of the film were being done, does that change your perception of the overall film itself? Or does that ultimately not matter to you? I don't think it matters to me, but I do agree that this was kind of being marketed as horror flavored. I think that 
pardon the pun, but like the the horror portion of it, certainly the opening sequence was kind of the hook and that's how they got people. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think it really affects my opinion. I, no matter how they planned on marketing this or, or producing it, it's just it's just not horror at all. Especially being out of the time in which it was marketed and just seeing the film for what it is. Uh, yeah, it doesn't really. I'm, I'm judging entirely on what I've seen. Yeah, it's one of those, you, it's hard to kind of picture, like, if you had seen that trailer, like, you might have a very different perspective of what it, what the movie was going to be. And you're going in kind of with your pump primed for something scary. So, I don't know. Yeah, I think with with that like trailer, I would I would probably assume that I'd be watching a creature feature based on that, but that's not what this movie delivered in the end. See, I feel like the marketing did I if I saw that and then I watched the movies, I might be watching it through a different lens. So, I think it does kind of help me see it more as horror, but I'm already leaning horror, so do you think that this type of sentiment surrounding the film maybe is, for those of you that are leaning not horror, do you think this sort of sentiment surrounding the film leads to why there's so many arguments about why this film is horror or not horror? I I can definitely see that. Like, it, it does, it does, like, trying to put myself in the shoes of, like, when it first came out. And, like, yeah, like, it does, like, want you to feel like it's going to be scary and i agree with what was said like it does make you feel like it's going to be more of a creature feature so then like even going into the movie even after seeing it um like you're already ready to believe that i guess if that makes sense so people i i I can see people like seeing the seeing the marketing for it then going and seeing the movie and then afterwards just going with that kind of flow i guess maybe that's not fair to say but of just being like yeah it was scary it was a horror movie but i also think it kind of i think it kind of does follow a classic horror like uh recipe or timeline i guess it starts off with the couple in the water and you know you know the first people you see in a horror movie never survive because that's how you introduce the bad guy so you know girl gets eaten um, got your classic naked girl getting eaten, plus that. So that's plus one to horror. And then you've got this scary, almost, he is just a giant shark, but they present him as almost, like, otherworldly, because he's so large and so monstrous that he almost seems like more than just a shark. And then it's all about, you know, them, I guess, surviving against him until he's eventually dead. So, I don't know. I guess, saying it out loud, there are some things missing there. As in, um, like in a traditional horror slasher, you're trying to get away from the shark. You're not pursuing the shark. So, I don't know. But I do think the like the fact that it's kind of paced like a traditional horror movie kind of helps people feel like it might be horror. So I would like to get into that because that is something I wanted to point out is, is like, as you pointed out there, Mitz, the movie starts like a slasher film. Now, granted, this 
movie predates the slasher craze. There's a couple proto slashers in the 70s era, but we're not really getting to full codified slasher situation until till the 80s, really. But uh, does it starting out kind of like a slasher film set a tone for you as the viewer? Do you feel like that's even correct? Does it feel like a slasher film at the beginning to you? I I think for me, like, yes, it does. I like, and that first scene, like, it does feel that way. And it's scary when the girl's getting attacked and getting eaten. And like, you don't know for sure exactly what's going on. If the movie kind of would have continued in that tone a little bit more, it, I don't know, there's probably arguments against that. So that's fine. Uh, but uh, th- then I think it could have been horror. But I one of the big things for me is that it didn't lean into didn't lean into enough of the idea of this particular shark being otherworldly or being something more than just a big shark. Um, and obviously it is a giant shark. Um, but I think, I feel like the movie and Steve, you can correct me if the, I, I, I feel like the, you had said that the book was a little different on this, but it feels like at least in the movie, it's just portraying the shark as, this is just a big shark who decided to change its hunting ground and happened to come to this area. Like there's nothing else that's specifically special about this shark or particularly malicious about this shark. The book, the only thing that it kind of gives to it is there's a little bit of back and forth during the final boat uh, confrontation with the shark about the idea that Quint's saying, like, at the end of the day, it's all fish are just dumb fish that want to eat, and that's the only thing that motivates them, that guides them, and then having the shark react differently than he's expecting it to. So it, it doesn't say that the shark is supernatural or anything. It just hints to the idea that it might be different in some way than the normal run-of-the-mill shark, but that's as far as it goes for the book. The shark is built different. Yes, exactly. Um, that one thing that kind of took away a little bit from the tone for me was aside from the, the actual dun, 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 theme when like Jaws is coming, I feel like the rest of the score of the movie is very kind of like lighthearted, familial, like it was interesting to see that Robert Zemeckis probably helped contribute the writing on this because when I was listening to like the opening score, it was almost, it sounded like almost like Back to the Future a little bit. It had like some Back to the Future vibes. And I feel like at other times it had that too. And then just aside from all that, it kind of just felt like, like, especially in the scenes when they were actually confronting the shark, that the shark was only really attacking their boat because they freaking tied the shark to their boat a bunch of times. You know what I mean? Like, it just felt like they were sort of causing the confrontations in the end more than anything. So that's kind of why, a couple reasons why it wasn't feeling horror to me. Yeah, there's nothing sinister about the shark. It's a shark. It wants a snack. And if you're being a jerk to it, you're going to be the snack. Like, I was kind of rooting for Jaws most of the movie. I think it goes back to that thing that we discussed when we did Alien. If you're going to go into a thing's habitat, that and let me specify a non-humanoid thing, because if it is humanoid, that changes the game, and then that leans into horror. But things like The Revenant, you know, there's a horrific bear attack in that. It's still not horror. 
Jaws just isn't horror because it's a shark being a shark. There's nothing evil or sinister at play here. And I agree with what you said, Matt, about the music. Like, the the interlude music, apart from the theme, is pretty upbeat. Like, I was jamming out to some tunes right there. Like, there's too much sunshine and popsicles and bikinis. It's just, it's not scary. It made me want to go to the beach. Stay out of the water, but on the beach. So, what you just said kind of sparked a thought in me, and it made me wonder if the context of this movie was changed and it was a different animal in a different setting, would I feel the same way about it? So, like, imagine maybe there's just a giant freaking, I don't know, bear out in this town and it's attacking hikers. And these guys are going to go Is it cocaine bear? It's cocaine bear. He's out there. Yes! Attacking hikers. And these hunters are going to go kill it. Do I feel that that is horror? Um, I don't think so anymore, but suddenly it's just man versus nature. And now I don't know. It's survivalism. Like there are survival movies. There are survival thrillers. And I think that this leans more into that territory than into any kind of classic horror film. Like there just weren't enough Venn diagram circles filled out. We had some gore. There's a great soundtrack. There's a couple of really tense moments and it builds and, you know, a really great ending with wonderful one-liners, but it's just not horror. Hmm. It's it's a bunch of buddies going on a fishing trip basically. Yes. The movie. <laughs> it's the worst fishing trip of all time. That's what this is. It's gone horribly awry. Okay, well, that kind of leads into one of my main points. This is the thing I was thinking about before seeing the movie that had me sure that it wasn't. And that is the idea that most horror movies had the protagonist dealing with some kind of threat that is at least seemingly inescapable. However, in Jaws, right from the onset, you know exactly how to avoid the shark. Just stay out of the water. So there's no conflict required. No one is ever stranded with the shark that didn't specifically knowingly put themselves in the situation to be stranded with a shark. And even that to a degree, for most of the time that they're out on the water, they could still drive away. So that made it a little bit hard for me initially to classify it as horror, because at least in Mitz's example with the bear in the woods or attacking the town, you could still go in your house and not necessarily be sure that the bear wouldn't show up in your backyard. However, in this town, if you go in your backyard, guess what? The shark is not going to be there. So does that factor make it hard to classify Jaws as horror for, for any of the rest of you? Abso-freaking-lutely. Yes. That, ki- that killed the, the concept of tension. Yes, there were ten- tense moments, but you, you hit it on the head right there. Just stay out of the damn water, people. <laughs> And like I said before, like that's literally what's causing them to have confrontations with the shark is that they're going after the shark and then harpooning it to their boat. Uh, and they're like, oh, he's destroying our boat. Well, you harpooned him to your boat. That's what happens. <laughs> it's kind of a weird Moby Dick moment if we're thinking about it. Like, this is more about hubris than anything else, guys. True. They didn't have to do all that. Now, I will pose another question and play devil's advocate here so everybody who has seen this movie especially the people who saw in the 70s well not everybody who has seen it but the a lot of people who saw this movie in the 70s said that it made them terrified to go in the water after seeing it like at the beach does that contribute to it being horror because you know i i know in the past we've talked about how like 
a, a really good horror movie makes you scared even after you've seen it. You know what I mean? I mean, clearly this had some effect on people to make them afraid to go in the water. If we went back to your bear example and we you watched a movie about a big giant bear killing people in the forest, I guess, does is that the same concept? Would you then be scared of going into the forest? I don't know. The, so I think the, the thing that I'm stuck on is that it's so many people felt that way. I mean, of course, if you're watching a movie about a bear, you're going to have some people that are suddenly terrified of bears. But I feel like Jaws had an like, overwhelming amount of people that it affected. And I don't know if it's because of the time period it came out. Okay, so I, my thought on that is this. Maybe part of what you're dealing with here is the volume of people that saw Jaws. This is, by most accounts, the first summer blockbuster movie. So this isn't like the little known film, like it's not like Texas Chainsaw Massacre because not a lot of people would have seen that when it first came out and it would have been something that it might've been harder to see. This is the movie that everyone saw in the summer of 1975. So is it that it affected a disproportionate amount of people or is it just that more people saw it? And that's a good point. I think it's possible that it's because more people saw it. This became more of a pop culture moment, like a landmark pop culture moment in cinema more than anything else. And maybe that's why I feel it can't be horror too, because I don't think horror gets those types of benchmarks as much. I don't know. Now I'm second guessing myself. So the volume of people that saw it, you feel like a kick it out of the genre? Not necessarily, but I don't think that people went to this movie expecting horror. And again, I don't think that it is horror. I think that this is, I think that this took a very common and real situation, aka people going on vacation, having a good time with their families and being at the beach. And it took a natural predator and turned it into the villain. Doesn't make it horror, makes it thriller, suspense, action, adventure. I think another reason that I leaned initially towards not horror too was the whole reason for the confrontation with the shark. It's not to protect the people. It's because you know how to protect the people. Just tell them to stay out of the water. And they tried to do that. The whole reason to kill the shark is so that the commerce of the island doesn't have a problem. It's being attacked. Like you're hunting it down and stopping it for economic reasons, not for civil safety reasons. That would be like if the only reason you were stopping Michael Myers is because you were worried that people wouldn't vacation in Haddonfield. Like it's kind of a weird concept and that sort of threw off the balance for me too in thinking about the film. Like is this, this isn't a horror, like if it's a horror film, then we should be more worried about protecting people. But we're more worried about commerce. We're more worried about protecting the economy of the town. So I guess I wondered how that affected the tension of the film for you, the horror status of the film for you. Well, when you put it that way, it feels like the stakes aren't so high. I mean, if you're putting it in those terms and like this is about a town's economy, this is kind of like, you know, the, the knight who slays the dragon because he's attacking the town's fields kind of deal, except... In this case, the dragon is in the water and isn't really bothering anyone as long as you don't go in the water. So maybe a slightly alternate view of that. Like, I do agree that that was the motivation, but just thinking about how it plays out in the movie, Brody doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's not crystallized for him that he's going to go after the shark until 
Mrs. Kittner like comes and smacks him and says like, you let my boy die. <clears throat> and so for him, I feel like, like he would probably maybe wouldn't have gone out. I mean, he was scared of water anyways, but he, so he maybe wouldn't have gone out trying to hunt the shark if it hadn't been for that moment of like personalization of, about it, about like, yes, a little boy died because of this. And I agree, like they could have just told people to stay out of the water. Like in reality, the mayor here is the, maybe the villain, but, <laughs> but, uh, but I still think that the movie does play with that idea of at least to some degree, it being a little bit about protecting people because of that moment. Okay, but hold up. Wasn't that mom taking a nap on the beach while her child swam in the ocean? I think it might be also the mom's fault. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe it is partly her fault. Like, little Timmy is just swimming unsupervised in the ocean. Who does that? Speaking of taking naps, that man at the beginning of the movie had, like, a narcoleptic narcoleptic attack while his girlfriend went into the water. (laughs) What happened to him? He fell out. He drank too damn much. Like, he was, he was out in a second. I have had dates like that. It happens. <laughs> One minute they're there, and the next they're snoring. It's just how it goes. All right, well, this kind of leads into another thing I wanted to talk about, is one of the, we'll say the taboo elements of the film, is that you do have a child die in this film, and they die violently. Alex Kittner, he goes in the water, and, you know, he's getting, you see him from under the water you never see the shark actually bite into him but there's you know there's a blood geyser not army of darkness style but there's a blood geyser that shoots up around him it's a bloody moment when he is killed so how do you have that gory of a child death in a film and not feel like it's horror does that does that how did that affect you how do you reconcile that I mean, it was pretty graphic, but there's plenty of other films where there's the death of a child that is not horror, too. So I don't think that that particular taboo is always a thing that equates to horror. Like, and again, I always go back to this, but like war movies. I mean, we see all sorts of horrible things happen in war movies. There's body gore, but that still doesn't make it horror. But it's not just that he dies, but it's also that it's it's a gory moment, I guess. Anyway. If it, that doesn't change anything for you, it doesn't change anything for you. But I guess that's the thing I thought about. I think that if we had seen, you know, the kid being actively eviscerated by teeth, maybe that would kind of, it just, it, I guess it wasn't gory enough to be hard. God, that's awful to say a kid died. Ugh, I need to re-examine <laughs> myself here. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, that's a tough question. Um, yeah, I don't know. See, I, I'm still going back and forth. I haven't really been pulled solidly in one way. But I will say that um, I was very nervous the first time I saw this. Actually, you know, this is basically the first time I saw, I've seen it because I haven't seen it in years. Um, that one of one of the kids, uh, what's the name, dude's name? B- B- Brody? Brody? Is that his name? Brody? One yes. of his kids was going to get hurt. And I think that would have definitely swayed me in one direction. Because I felt an attachment to them, even though we didn't see them very much. But yeah, I'm glad that they did not. I think, like, is it terrifying? Yes. Is it horrific? Yes. Is it, like, all that, all those things? Yes. Like, it's a, a child getting killed. That's terrible. Uh, but at, I guess at the end of the day, it's still, like, an animal attack. And... um. 
So I guess for me, it still lands in the horrifying, but not horror um, spot. I don't know. I don't know why necessarily the kid dying in the movie doesn't like change it to horror for me, but like it, I guess it just doesn't really feel like maybe, maybe that is kind of a horror moment in the film. Cause I will say that the film does have some horror some horror moments, um, but nothing that like puts it over the top as being horror overall. So I would maybe categorize the the child dying as a as a horror element of the film. So dealing more a little bit with the gore, the rest of the film, so not just the Alex Kintner one. And I'll skip ahead a little bit on my outline for this. I guess maybe to make a point and see where everyone stands. So we're shown several severed limbs throughout the film. We have Chrissy Watkins remains are brought out on a very small tray. And, uh, you know, we see, I, I believe an arm is of hers is pulled out of that tray. We watch a man's leg float to the bottom of the ocean. That's been severed. Uh, we have the head float out of the boat when we have uh, Hooper looking at the, the boat wreck itself to try and figure out what happened. And uh, that was a scene that Spielberg specifically said in interviews that he added that shot in later. They had to shoot it in a swimming pool because he wanted to add one more scare for the audience. So I guess maybe this film isn't gory by today's standards, but uh, do those gory moments, is that the kind of thing that you have in a film that's not horror? Okay, you might have me on that one because there were those couple moments where I was like, okay, that is absolutely a horror trope. That is absolutely just a straight up gore shot. That's a jump scare. Mm, it just wasn't enough. I do think they put it in there to kind of play off of, I don't know, the horror momentum that, that movies usually get. I think that this was kind of a, a layering of genres, or at least it was intended to be. They wanted to use all the horror tricks to get people to watch this. So the thought that I had uh, kind of goes along with that. I think, for example, the severed head in the boat uh, is definitely like a sort of horror trope that's happening there. But the other pieces when they're kind of doing the autopsy of the girl and the leg falls in the water um the way that i'm kind of thinking about those as not being horror is sort of like looking at looking at the movie sort of like a like a natural disaster kind of film or like a force of nature was, sometimes you have death scenes or gore scenes in movies like that but you wouldn't categorize those as horror. It's kind of just showing the power of nature. It's like a device to show that. So it kind of is the way that I was viewing those scenes, although I do think the severed head in the boat is a is a classic horror trope, kind of a thing, jump scare moment. I don't have really more to add to that, just to agree with what was said there. Um, yeah, it, it's def there's definitely some tropes there. Uh, I still go back to, but they're happening because it's just an animal attack. I will say, for me, the biggest horror moment was the jump scare with the divers when they saw the uh, the head or the face of the corpse. 
which is also one of my <laughs> biggest fears swimming. So that's probably why it got me. So let's dig into the the force of nature side of it, the the animal side of it. Do you think it would be fair to call this a monster movie? Can it be a monster movie if it's not horror? It can be a monster movie and not be horror because to me, King Kong is a monster movie, but it's not horror. Jurassic Park also comes to mind. Yeah. Not horror, unless the T-Rex gets to be the final girl, and I'm still waiting for that deep cut. I'm, I would watch it. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think it. It's almost like it's not of even a a monster movie in that way, just because what if you really pay close attention to what is happening in the film, they are surprised that the shark is big. But what they they were just kind of operating from the beginning of the film under the idea that it was a shark. They didn't know what kind of shark. And then when they actually do have a like a face to face encounter with the shark, they're like, okay, well, this is a great white shark. It's a really big great white shark. But it's not like it at the end. In the end of the day, it's it's just a shark. So I don't even necessarily see it as a monster movie or anything like that. So. It makes me think of one of the moments in the movie that uh, kind of that didn't clench it for me as not horror, but it made me think about it a little bit. It's the moment when you got uh, Brody throwing the chum into the water and, you know, he looks away for a moment and then the shark's head pops up out of the water. The, the, a couple, there's a few things about that that lean not horror for me. One is the shark doesn't attack him it's not after him it's just playing with the chum and it's just attracted to the chum it's not like something that's like grabbing his arm and pulling him into the water it's just a shark in the water that's doing its sharky thing and then the other part of that is you know brody turns around sees the shark sees that it's a massive shark and like gets up and slowly backs away back into the cabin and like he knows at that moment what they're dealing with that they're dealing with a giant great white shark or well i you know he probably doesn't realize i don't know i don't know what he realizes but the point is he his line is we're gonna i think you need a bigger boat or we are gonna need a bigger boat or however that goes but the point is he knows that they are outmatched at that point and they still decide this goes back to the idea that they don't have to be there he knows at that point that they are outmatched and he could have left. They could have left. He, they could have been like, you know what? You, we've seen the shark now. We know what we're dealing with. We really aren't prepared to deal with this, but they decide to stay anyways. Which is a funny point to bring up. So, so I read the book beforehand and uh, the whole confrontation scene at the end, it's, it is a bit different with one crucial difference is that it takes place over several days, but at the end of every day, they go home. At the end of every day, they take the boats back to the docks and they're all sleeping in their own bed that night. So it turns this excursion to try and kill the shark into sort of a weird field trip feeling, which they smartly 
removed from the actual film and just have them stay out there the whole time, which gives you more of a sense of being stuck with the shark, even though, as you point out, they are not. But the book drills home the point that they're not stuck with the shark because, you know, like I said, it's like a field trip. They go home at the end of every night. Even if even when they have somebody die on the mission, because spoiler for the book, uh, Hopper doesn't or Hooper doesn't make it. He dies and uh, and they still go home that night and they still go out the next morning. So it feels a little bit different because of that. So looking at Steven Spielberg's other big monster movie, we talked about Jurassic Park. Obviously, we had the whole episode about that. and We talked about how the animals are represented. And I think that we've mostly kind of hit on this as we've talked about it. But do you... So famously, the shark broke down a lot during production, and that's why you rarely ever see it. They had to figure out how to shoot this movie in a way that didn't include the shark most of the time. But the way that the shark is portrayed, you've got that John Williams score over it to add tension. You're put in the shark's point of view, which is a very slasher movie thing to do, even though it's an animal. And so you've kind of got these ominous tones surrounding it. So do you feel like, at least for you, is this shark portrayed as an animal first? Do you still just kind of look at it as, it's just a shark doing its thing? I think we basically said as much, at least some of us already. Or do you feel like the movie goes to pains to try and make it feel like something more than just an animal? And was that effective for you? I know that's a lot of things. I think that just the size of the shark was supposed to be like its its superpower, really. Like that was what was supposed to make you scared of it. And, you know, this this is something that we've never seen. I've never seen a shark act like this before. I think that they tried to make it spooky-ooky a little bit, but it did not. It missed the mark. I think it comes back to what we talked about a little bit about just like the opening scene felt a lot more that way and that it was like... It was a scary thing, but as I guess for me, as the movie went on, like, and just having a little bit more of those realizations that it is just a shark. And like, I, like that moment I mentioned, like the shark just pops up out of the water to eat some of the chum. It's just a shark. Um, but like, that's a very different feeling than the opening scene where it's hunting the girl. But maybe for the time frame, like that sort of mechanical special effect that they had with, you know, the shark head that kept breaking down did that have something to do with it classifying as horror like because they put so much effects like effort into the villain i was gonna say there is certainly a possibility that because we're seeing the graphics today they're less horrific to us because they're not they don't look quite as good but to play devil's advocate to that, I do think the effects in this movie hold up pretty well, even to today. The opening scene is still one of the best opening scenes ever. Like, it, it's really effective. Yeah, so I, I don't think that I can really say that the graphics being old affect my opinion of it. I, don't, I know that wasn't necessarily the question, um, but kind of where my mind went with it. So, I don't know, I, I think um, seeing the shark and and not really, like, the and the effects still holding up, it still doesn't feel like very horror to me, even though they kind of actually had it in frame sparingly. 
do you think it would have changed anything if you saw the shark more throughout the film? Obviously that changes the movie altogether. I think that it would be worse off in terms of its cinematic value if you just saw the shark at every instance. But in terms of its genre value or its genre designation, if you saw the shark in every attack right from the beginning of the movie, would that change how you felt about it? Would this feel like it was more about the monster and maybe that could lean it more towards horror? I kind of think that if we saw it any more than we did, that it would make it even less horror because it takes away from that suspense once you actually do see it and realize that what it is and it's just a regular really big shark. Yeah, I think the lack of the shark in the movie actually made it more suspenseful, just like Matt said. And I also think that for the quality of the movie, I think that we saw the shark the perfect amount. Otherwise, it would have been, you know, a, I don't know. It, it would have been a little bit too campy, I think. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. It really does look good, though, for being 1974. Like, Yeah, I can't critique the actual shark too much. I believed it. <laughs> Comparing it to like 78 Dawn of the Dead, which is a movie from there that I can think of right offhand with a lot of effects, I can definitely say that Dawn of the Dead had worse effects in a lot of places than this movie. Of course, this movie had less to do than Dawn of the Dead, uh, but it, it looked really good. Do you feel like overall this movie did a good job of building tension then? I think most people feel like it does, but yeah, how did you feel about that? Absolutely. I think the uh, the score had a lot to do with that, too. Um, that really is what did it for me, because even though the subject matter wasn't necessarily terrifying, like the music definitely did build the suspense for me. I thought it was a very good roller coaster of tension because there was a lot of ups and downs with it. And like some moments, you know, feel very tense. Other moments, like even with the shark, like the moments that they like shoot the shark with the harpoon and the barrels um, get flown off the boat and everything. Like the score through that is just like this fun, happy kind of adventure movie. Like it feels like a fishing trip, like we kind of already said. So like, so like the tension is low at that moment, even though the shark's there in a prominent part of the scene. I mean, you don't see it, but you, it's there. Um, so I don't know. It's a very good, like roller coaster of tension, I think. How about the overall look of the film? As, as Brianna mentioned earlier and kind of echoed as well, is that this movie does make you kind of want to go to the beach. Normally, when you think of a horror movie, you think of it's going to happen at night. It's not going to happen in these big open areas. It's not going to be showing a lot of people having, you know, having a day at the beach for the most part. So how did that setting, how did most of the movie taking place during the day, the look generally of the film, how did that affect your genre designation i think it did take away from the possibility of it being more horrifying because you know there was so much bright sunlit happy scenes and it's not like they were juxtaposed over something that was consistently horrific i mean yeah there were some shark attacks that was a real bummer but like let's go grab a snow cone another uh, something along those lines like just I'm trying to picture some of the scenes taking place at night and how that might change my feeling about it. Like take the final attack scene when the shark 
attacks the boat and like jumps up on the orca um and you know quint gets pulled down into the shark like if that happened at night i mean it's still a horrifying scene but if it happened at night it would have just been that much more elevated as far as the horror for me i think I think if it would have been at night, it would have felt more like the shark. The shark was stalking the boat, and maybe that would have would have did it for me. Yeah, I think that the movie really didn't make a lot of effort to have you asking what is that thing. It you pretty much know very early on this is a shark, and so if it was more shot at night, was more of the idea of kind of hiding from you what what you're seeing that maybe it would have been a bit more horror and aside from just that note of like how it has a lot of daytime shots you can really tell that this movie was shot and had a pretty nice budget for it too because it still i mean obviously i'm watching it in hd on amazon or whatever and it still looks really good so uh, i don't know that's just an additional note that the that it looks very good. <laughs> so kind of swinging back to one of the things that Peter Benchley said at the very beginning of all this, the idea that the visceral fear of being eaten alive. I think a little bit about the movie Nope, which I don't know if any of you have seen, but that movie is very much about the way that we deal with animals. And there is a spoiler for that movie. There is a sequence where people are being eaten and you're watching them internally as they're being digested. And obviously this is a much different context, but you're still watching, for instance, Quint or Christy at, Christy at the beginning being eaten alive. So does their performance during those sequences, despite the gore, despite the violence, but their performances, particularly uh, Shaw's performance as Quint at the end, change how you feel about those moments because it's not like he got shot and killed we're like literally watching his torso being munched on by the shark i don't i don't know that it affects my classification i guess but i do think like there was both scenes are extremely well acted um and you know it's very believable what's happening um the way the way it's filmed and the way it's acted so i you know kudos to them for sure uh it but it doesn't personally affect my how i classify the movie i kind of think the opening scene death was like i don't want to say that it was comedic in a way but it sort of was because it was like this duality kind of scene where she's struggling with the shark and this other guy's just passing out on the beach hearing absolutely nothing so i feel like that scene has like i i know that it's meant to like be more impactful because she's like getting dragged around by it but i was sort of just like okay is this guy just this guy's just laying there <laughs> like that's kind of how i was feeling during that scene the scene with quint dying at the end is more kind of visceral for me yeah and then he comes back and tries to eat brody or is attacking brody and he's got the he's got the like flesh and just the skin fallen out of his mouth still so i definitely agree it was more visceral it's kind of funny mentioning the intro because um by all accounts well i won't say by all accounts but at least by some accounts anyway 
the sequence where Chrissy is attacked at the beginning of the movie was probably the most dangerous one to shoot because they, in order to have her sort of unnaturally being yanked every direction, they kind of had ropes tied to her under the water. And then they had a bunch of men on either side of it, tugging her one way or the other. And so of course she's supposed to be flailing. She's supposed to be screaming like she's being murdered. And so they really could have hurt her badly during that whole sequence. And it would have been very hard to tell that there was a problem until things went really, really wrong. So in some ways, that was the most dangerous part of shooting this shark movie. Well, damn. Yeah. So what now? I was wondering how they managed to do that if they had her on some kind of rig beneath because she was just getting real. She was getting real dragged around. Yeah, for sure. Well, I guess that's kind of everything that I was looking at in terms of the horror designation of this. I guess, does anybody have anything else that they wanted to bring up in terms of that? I had one thing um, that's it's kind of along the lines of stuff we've already talked about, but it's just another kind of tick mark in the column for me uh, as far as like it's an animal and it, uh, or not, not that it's an animal, but they, but the fact that they don't have to be out there fighting. Um, and I, you know, Shaw, Shaw did an awesome job playing Quint and Quint's maybe one of my favorite characters in the movie, especially, you know, his speech about the Indianapolis and, um, you know, that's just so well acted in such an intense, um, monologue. Uh, but his character is a little bit of a Moby Dick character be, kind of probably because of that. Uh, but you get that moment in the movie where like the boats, the boats taking on water, it's going badly. Brody sees that it's going bad, badly. He's like, all right, we have to call for help. I'm going to go over to the radio and, you know, call in the, you know, the coast guard or whatever, whoever he's going to call. And, you know, Quint comes up behind him and, you know, he doesn't say it, but you can tell in his actions, he's just like, nope, we're fighting this damn shark. And he takes the bat and smashes the radio. And like they, they could have called for help. They could have gotten out of the situation, but it was just one more tick mark in the, this was their choice to be there. And by there, I mean, in this instance, it was Quint's choice to be there. Yeah, I agree with all of that. His speech about the Indianapolis was so good. And I saw at least a few veterans commenting on the fact that they really hadn't spoken about that incident, but seeing it spoken about and portrayed so well in this film meant a lot to them. So that was kind of a cool thing about this film too, is that it kind of gave a voice to what their experience was that they really didn't know how to talk about themselves. Yeah, it's really good. It's the moment that makes me really like the movie, honestly. So what's everybody's final call on this? Uh, and do we have any changed hearts and minds? Are we all still in the same place as far as the genre? Nope. I'm an Oak. I'm not moving. Yeah. I'm still in the not horror, uh, section as well. Still not horror for me. I don't know, man. I just, when I, if I say not horror, it just feels wrong. <laughs> just feels wrong to say that it's not horror so can i end on on the fence (laughs) (laughs) if you need to sure i I don't know i really don't i think i'm still leaning towards horror for myself on all of it i i get all of those points and i i see that i think most of the movie doesn't end up feeling that way but the way that the violence is portrayed how it happens 
Um, I think the implications of those things, despite the fact that they didn't have to be out there doing all of that, I guess it's enough for me to lean towards horror. I feel like the tension around it and uh, yeah, it's, it's a close call and I don't think anyone's wrong. I never do on these mind you, but I, I think I'm still willing to call it a horror, but it's, it's still damn close. Can I give a fun shark fact? Please. I Even though say. I don't think it's horror. So, okay, so I went down internet rabbit hole like I do. And AmericanOceans.org says that uh, great white sharks um, in that species, females are usually the ones who are larger than the males. Like females can get up to like 19 or 20 feet long, whereas males usually only get to be about 13 feet. So our villain might have been a female sharky shark, which might make this feminist horror if it was a horror film, but it's not. Um, also, the largest <laughs> recorded shark is called Big Blue, and she is 20 feet long and is estimated to be 4,500 pounds. They think she's about 50 years old um, because sharks reach sexual maturity around like 20 or 30 years old. Um, and scientists believe that she is not yet done growing um, and she is expected to live another 25 to 30 years. So there you go. I think if anything, that provides some extra context to the fact that this shark is maybe only a little bit bigger than the biggest recorded shark that we know of. Right. And that's if you believe Quint's sort of just eyeballing it. And we do. Yeah, I don't know about that. Do we? Do we believe Quint? Really? In this house, we believe Quint. <laughs> okay, fine. The other thing that I find interesting about that particular shark is how, uh, like, it's pretty well documented how mild-mannered that shark is. And, like, people go and swim with it all the time. Because she's like, I'm almost 5,000 pounds, bitch. I got nothing to prove. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I find interesting about sharks and, um, and I guess this is, I, I believe, true of orcas as well, even though I mentioned in the beginning that I think orcas are terrifying. But the point is that, in general, uh, they don't actually like eating humans because we're too big-boned and we don't have enough meat and blubber on us. So usually shark attacks are like a, they'll come and bite you and figure out that they don't actually wants to eat you and then they'll swim off which is i guess why many shark attacks are all just a single bite um and that's probably also why like you know when orcas uh like attack their trainers at sea world they just hold them down to drown them they don't like try and eat them or anything so they really said shoot to kill yeah <laughs> i don't want to eat you i just want to murder you I just want you to die. Yeah. Which I was just thinking is kind of funny because a lot of times people are turned off to eating fish because of the bones. So apparently fish are turned off to eating us because of the bones. <laughs> Ugh, too bony. Another thing that's kind of funny too is just, I guess, the title of this, why it's titled this. Because a lot of people wrongly call the shark from Jaws, Jaws as though it's its name, which of course it's not. But Peter Benchley, he was talking about how the title for the novel came about and that him and his editor were going back and forth for a long time over what it ought to be called. And that uh, what he eventually said was that we cannot agree on a word that we like, let alone a title that we like. In fact, the only word that means anything that even says anything is Jaws. 
So call the book Jaws. He said, what does it mean? And I said, I don't know, but it's short and it fits on a jacket and it may work. He said, okay, we'll call the thing Jaws. And if the shark does have any name, uh, it was nicknamed Bruce on set because uh, that was also Steven Spielberg's lawyer's name. So uh, most people that are in the know in the Jaws fandom know the shark as Bruce. So whether or not that means was male or female, I don't know. Wasn't there a Pixar Disney shark named Bruce? Was that a thing or am yeah. I remembering it incorrectly? I'm certain that had to be a reference. Yeah. Like fish are friends, not food. Wasn't that Bruce? Yeah. It's, uh, Definitely. Oh my God. And that, as I understand it, is an intentional reference. So yeah. All right. Any other final thoughts? Actually, you know what? I'm going to share just a couple things from the book because <laughs> there were some weird things in the book. So there's this whole subplot about how the mayor has mafia contacts and that's why he's so adamant that the beaches stay open and that stay a tourist attraction because he's tied up in real estate with the mob and they need to make money from visitors renting or buying places. And so like at one point, what happens is the mob is trying to convince Brody that he needs to keep the beaches open. So a mob guy goes to Brody's house and... It sees that Brody's eight-year-old son is outdoors with the family cat. And the mob guy picks up the family cat and twists its head around, breaking its neck in front of his son. What the okay, fuck? that's messed up. Yeah, fuck what? that. That is not okay. Not cool, mob guy. Not cool. No me gusta. But that actually would make... That actually would make all that subplot with him... A little bit make a little bit more sense because it's like why don't you just close the beach like dude yeah and, and then the other thing too is that uh ellen brody um so there's this whole subplot too about the idea that uh brody himself is kind of a townie and that ellen brody is one of the rich summer people that would vacation there and that they got together and now she's found herself as kind of being a townie and that she's not quite content with that status and that she still wants to be part of this like higher class rich world that her husband is just uninterested in. And so it turns out that she used to date Hooper's older brother and that he had a crush on her. And so when he shows back up in the story, the two of them have a quick and brief affair which is all rounded out very nicely and very simply because uh, Hooper does the good service to everybody of dying just as Ellen also realizes that she actually does like her life there. So we get to, while we're dealing with it and the characters know that it happened, he, you know, conveniently dies so they don't have to deal with him being alive somewhere after the affair happened. <laughs> but anyway, just some weird things from the book or differences from the book, I guess. I really think that this is one of the rare cases where I, I feel like the movie was better to me. I enjoyed the movie a lot more than I enjoyed the book. Guys, my lights just shut off inexplicably. Like, the electric didn't go off. My light just shut off. I think my house is haunted. I really think it's haunted. Maybe Jaws is under your bed right now. Duh, duh. There's no water. Actually, no, um, I lied. His name this is, is a water Bruce. bed. Bruce is under your bed. <laughs> flipping the light switches you are not wrong great i'm gonna die perfect oh wow <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you'll have a really nice cuddle 
Don't get it wrong again. A wee little snuggle with a tiny little shark named Bruce. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us on an episode, another episode of Visit Horror. Uh, if you have thoughts on this movie, if you thought it was horror, you thought it wasn't horror, thought we missed something, of course, I always say, give us give us a shout out. You can find us on Instagram, on Twitter. So check that out. Send us a message. If you enjoyed the show, uh, please tell other people about it. That's the best way to help us out so we can continue to grow. Uh, this is the penultimate episode of season two. We have one more episode of season two, and then uh, we'll probably release a bonus ep- episode during the summer, but then we'll start back up again in October. And we'll still have a few other announcements on our social media in between now and then. But uh, So we do have one more episode in two weeks. We're going to have our season two wrap-up, same as we did for season one. So we'll be talking a little bit more about just the season in general, things that we've learned, and we'll have a few more of our lightning rounds. So join us back here in two weeks for that. And I have been Steve. And I'm Brianna. And I'm Joe. I'm Matt. And I'm Mitz. And I'm Bruce. (laughs) Hello, my name's Bruce. Our friends, not food. Not food. But (laughs) humans are delicious. And I'm Batman. I'm Batman. (laughs) No, I'm Batman. I'm Dirty Dan. (laughs) Where was the other chum going? (laughs) Bye. 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 Thanks for joining us at Is It Horror? We post new episodes every other Friday. Think we didn't give this movie a fair shake? Think we missed something? Do you have a suggestion for future episodes? Or did you just want to say hi? If so, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at IsItHorrorPod, or you can email us at IsItHorrorPodcast at gmail.com. In the meantime, stay safe and keep asking yourself, Is It